What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to uh, another episode of the Live Free Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Mr. Christopher Konecki. He joins me via Skype from his studio in downtown San Diego over at the Maker's Quarter, a spot where um, I had the privilege of painting a couple large pieces at recently. Um, there's a bunch of stuff down there always going on. They're always doing really cool events and art-related shindigs. And uh, we are going to be working together. I, I'm taking part in a show that Chris has spearheaded with Pangea Seed and um, Cabo Del Mar, the uh, art and music festival happening here in San Diego. A bunch of us are uh, going to be doing uh, like a pop-up show. They're doing an art fair and mural festival uh, extravaganza that's going to be super cool. It's happening September 18th through the 20th, um, again at Del Mar here in San Diego. And then afterwards, the show is going to move to um, Silo in the Maker's Quarter uh, for another awesome rad party and uh, art event. So we talk about that a little bit. As always, make sure you go check out MikeMaxwellArt.com. You can click on the podcast, get all the information about all the other artists who have been on the show. You can subscribe in iTunes. We've been doing really good on the numbers lately. Um, I think we've been moving up pretty steadily in the, um, the rankings, as if that matters. Um, however, the rankings do not pay the bills, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this week has been, well, it's only Tuesday. <laughs> uh, the last, really, the last few months have been incredibly taxing. Um, although I have been able to put in a lot of work and get shows out, um, I've actually been struggling to pay rent more so in the last three months. Um, you know, just to pay the bills has been extremely difficult. I'm coming up on, uh, you know, it's like I end up having zero money at the end of it all. Um, so now would be a fantastic time to go and pick something up in the shop. Go to MikeMaxWallArt.com, click on the shop, and you could find a bunch of stuff that's available. If you've been thinking about a commission piece or something like that, um, or getting something from me personally, hit me up. You can, um, you can email me, info at MikeMaxWallArt.com. And uh, we could work something out. Or if you want to donate as a podcast listener, now is a great time to do that. Again, MikeMaxwellArt.com. Click on the podcast link. You'll see a PayPal option. Um, and you can go throw some money in there. Even if you don't do PayPal, it just takes whatever like debit card or credit card you use. Because the truth is, is that if uh, these things that I do in my life don't start to produce a little bit more economic value, I will have to start to look elsewhere to um, make ends meet, which I mean, to me is no big deal. Like <clears throat> I could probably go dig ditches if I needed to, uh, whatever the, do people, where the fuck are people digging ditches all the time? Anyway, uh, but what, what that means is that I do, I would have to do this less, be less shows, less paintings, less good stuff. Less sarcasm. Uh oh, maybe maybe that would be a good thing. I don't know. But um so yeah, go check out MikeMaxwell.com. Click around. Do what you can if you want. Uh if not, that's fine too. Uh like I said, if 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 money came into the podcast it uh it would justify not having to go and find employment elsewhere. Cause I am like on that doorstep at the moment. But you know, things will change. They always do. There's always ebb and flows. I said that before. 
Um, and maybe like right before I'm about to go work some shitty warehouse job and be a motherfucker, uh, a bunch of checks will come in. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm in a very interesting limbo. And it like it pains me to say it. like it's kind of embarrassing. Like I feel embarrassed. But I've had a 15-year art career. And it was easier when I was a dumb 20-year-old. So crazy. I don't know. But maybe that's the nature of it. I don't know. But we'll see. All right. Um, ugh, that was like a weird guilt trip intro. Weird. Um, well, there's all kinds of stuff coming up. I'm making shit. But we'll see how it goes. Let's, uh, that's too depressing, huh? Is that a little bit too depressing to start a podcast? I don't know. Um, there's good things happening in the world. We're talking about conservation, uh, sustainable living this episode. Uh, I have been cooking a bunch. That's actually, you know, poverty never tasted so good. I've actually never cooked as well for myself as I have over these last few months. Um, it's funny how cheap food ingredients and figuring out ways to, um, serve those ingredients together in a, in a tasteful manner can actually improve, uh, my my eating lifestyle so that's happened so there we go Whew. snuck out of there with a positive note that's good okay all right now that now that we slipped into that little area let's uh jump right into this episode and give mr christopher konecki a call all right all right hey there he is mr christopher konecki what's up my friend oh man i got all bubble throw right there just all of a sudden yeah, what are you doing over there drinking? Sweet sculpins. Oof, those are tasty. I'm on a Pacifico jam over here. Oh, I haven't had a good Pacifico in a while. You know what I love about Pacificos? Is mm-hmm. the heavy bottle. Yeah? No matter yeah, if you notice, if it even when your drink is gone, like let's say you're drinking a corona and right. your beer's gone, the beer the why bottle you, is why would you do that? It's significantly like regardless. Whatever just put a, a put a name in you're there. You're drinking a beer. You're drinking a beer. But a Pacifico feels like you have a full beer the whole time, regardless mm. of whether your beer is half empty, half full. I bet it keeps them a little colder, too. I would agree with that, probably. I, I, I haven't had a good Pacifico. But maybe, maybe that's next on the, uh, next on the agenda. I, uh, I just went over to the Alesmith, new Alesmith warehouse up here. Ooh, yeah. They do you know, stuff. Um, we're going to start to talk about some mural stuff a little bit. I think I was just thinking, like, with all the, like, rad um, breweries now in San Diego, it'd be mm-hmm. really cool to connect, like, mural projects with all these, like, humongous fucking warehouses. Like, yeah. a, particularly at Mir Mesa, there's a ton mm-hmm. of breweries and there's a ton of warehouse space. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it seems like it would be a, a sort of good, like, I don't know. It's not like the type of environment where everybody would see everything, but there's a bunch of humongous open wall space. Yeah, I've gotten a call about doing a distillery their their space, kind of curating something like that. So I, I think the fits there just needs somebody to kind of pull the trigger. Yeah, and, and just sort of unify everybody, mm. which is sort of like I've kind of seen you kind of sort of take that role here in the San Diego scene as sure. of the last few years here. Um, but let's sort of jump back. Uh, I'm not exactly sure when we sort of linked up, but I know over the last couple of years we've had got some time. To, we did some projects down at the the Maker's Quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, did you grow up in San Diego? Yeah, I grew up here since I was three. I was born up in uh, L.A. and then my family moved down here. So this is all I really remember is down here in San Diego. 
Did, uh... Um, but yeah, I grew up... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say I grew up in, uh, in SD and pretty much my whole life and took a few years off after college and kind of tra- traveled around a little bit, like two, three years off seeing the sights and then headed back here and probably, oh, geez, it's about, about five years ago. And I, I was really, I was like, I'm going to get serious on this art thing and, and really try to do it as a profession. Yeah. And that took, you know, a is, couple of years of hard work. Is that what you went to school for? No, I went to I went to film school because oh, really? I didn't I didn't know what I wanted to do. So when I was in high school, I was like I just surfed all the time and had a lot of fun, and you know, I was just in high school and I was like, Wah! and I've always drawn and, and painted and been creative and stuff. But like, I was always you know I wasn't super encouraged. Maybe with my friends, we we're all like the skaters, donors, surfer kids, <laughs> you know, and like, um, <clears throat> yeah. So I, I didn't really I didn't really do it. And then I went to I went to college went to point loma nazarene because it was right by the water yeah which was a great reason to go there i didn't even know what a, <laughs> didn't really know what a nazarene was um <laughs> now you do yeah they're, they're they're fun dude you gotta hang out with those guys yeah i'm sure no i'm just kidding there's some great people at that school though it was it was cool because it like fostered a pretty kind of creative community and there weren't a lot of like kind of societal pressures like let's go get fucked up every night so the kids would like sit around like read books and shit and like you yeah know, kinda, like actually work like, yeah yeah, do sort of creative thing stuff. So it was it was pretty cool. But um yeah, I mean I uh Did you I make film any school. films? Yeah, like a couple of really bad ones, like uh-huh. short student films. Um I did like one one or two professional films, like worked on the crew in some yeah. respects. Uh then I moved to LA and it was amazing timing. It was uh late summer two thousand and eight when the uh giant economic collapse happened so yeah, I, I like i trudge on up there like oh, i'm gonna be a writer a director and i'm like 20 i was 21 years old and uh everything went to shit and like 10,000 people got laid off in the industry like the same month i moved there so jobs were scarce yeah and i like struggled by realized that i hated la and like dude i racked up like 1200 bucks in parking tickets like the first month i was there which like blew through my savings yeah and brutal. i was just fucked after that did do do you still have any aspirations of filmmaking at all? Um, you know that's kind of gone to the wayside a little bit. I I still think it's an awesome medium. I think it's great. I just found it to be really collaborative, and um, I like to kind of just do my own thing, you know. And I always wanted to just write and direct. I didn't want to do any other. I didn't want to be like a cog in the wheel, like a yeah. spoke, you know. I wanted to be like the center. I think that is the cog. Whatever, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean, but like I didn't want to be just part of it. I wanted it to be like my my craft, my thing. And then I realized it's extremely collaborative and it's extremely uh, political too in that environment. And I decided that, and I was you know wasn't making any money. I wasn't being able to get a job, and I was just yeah. like, this kind of is crazy. So I was really bummed out and sad, and I took off in LA. Hmm. Well, I think you know, do do you feel like any of that stuff that you learned in that medium? has translated over at all into yeah. painting and drawing? Uh, yeah, I'd say so. A little bit in the narrative aspect. Like, I try to build in, like, not a super overt storyline to a lot of the work that I do, but there is a... I want there to be a narrative feel. I want you to look at it and hopefully kind of decipher some sort of story or at least understand, like, something's going on, you know? There's yeah. Little... I think uh, it, it's... You know, I, it's funny you bring that up because I've been talking about this a lot lately about how, like, I'm kind of sick of the singular aspect of being a painter. Like, the very sort of um, 
the like the loneliness of it sometimes it is sure. can be like kind of brutal and just sure. even the act of like working with somebody else seems like appealing after so many years of just working in the studio you know and mm-hmm. even you know but i agree with you like that idea <clears throat> of having to like give a part of whatever your creative idea was away on some level or like yeah. allow somebody to take and remold it somehow is not, I right. don't find that easy at all. No. Yeah. No. And you could ask my girlfriend, I'm a bit of a control freak is what she calls it. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, Air like quotes. I just like things, I like, I like things done my way. You know, I got a very, I uh, got an idea and this is how it should be. And you know, I, I there are some amazing things that happen of collaboration if you're working on something with someone like throwing an idea you never would have thought of and this new idea generates and you could always have that sort of happy magical accident sort of thing but you know most of the time I kind of know where I'm going I start my painting I finish my painting and I'm happy with it you know yeah it doesn't need to like run through a producer and then go get like you know Go go get screened in front of some people, and then come back. And, oh, you know, yeah. we really didn't like that fish there, Chris. And then you, go, oh shit, I gotta go back there and, and change it all up. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, I guess it depends, though. Like, what type of project you're working on? If it's just a personal yeah. painting, sure. And you don't sure. have you just, everyone could go fuck themselves, basically. Right. You drop the brush when you're ready. You just, done. I just I saw Bye. somebody who posted a meme about doing like um, design or illustration for somebody, and it was a price sheet. And the price sheet was like 100 bucks. You watch me make the design. Uh, 200 bucks. Yeah. It, it yeah. was a list of like, you can watch and then like put a, a thing in. Like, then the other one was like, like you do the design and I watch, you pay me 500 bucks. <laughs> Which, right. you know, is part of the problem of. You know, doing design and commercial work and like the sort of shit that people have to do, which is something I, talk, I had Don Pendleton on the show recently. And he, I was talking to him about how he found a sort of cohesive way to intermingle in between both of those worlds. Um, is that important for you? I like, I mean, um, so yeah. like, so yeah. you just did, you just, and like, you're literally still working on it today, like working on a humongous mural downtown. Uh, I'm sure there's some politics and things to that. You know, I know for sure for me, like I've had to jump through hoops to get things made. Um, you have to like appease <clears throat> a bunch of people, you know, yeah. and then, then even after you're done, you know, you're not going to please everybody. There's going to be some psycho pants to find something wrong with something. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the process uh, with this mural, what, it wasn't that bad. I think it's really important to early on to sort of set client expectations and to not be afraid to voice your opinion. I think a lot of artists get excited at the idea of having this big job, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever, well, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. they, it's, you turn into a yes man, and then the client's like, well, we can do this, do that. And you're like, yes, 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 you know. Um, obviously, there's, there's a trade-off. There's a give and a take for a large project. You can't just go up there and be like, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want, no sketches. You know, I'm just going to go up there. Like, I'm, I'm not at that level yet, you know. Like, I have to give them sketches, and I got to show them what I'm going to produce. And, you know, yeah, they came back with some ideas, and they wanted, you know, this and that this and that and I was able to you know just sort of set those expectations immediately saying that you know ah this wasn't really what I'm going for artistically I I think we should leave the art you know its own the art should be its own statement and then any additional stuff like maybe we could do in other places and that was how we were able to sort of compromise on some of the more like branded elements that they wanted 
Yeah, and you sort of have to be able to take a stance of like it's almost like you're bluffing into like, well, if you say no, it's okay. You know, because like mm-hmm. most people, if they get an opportunity for a project that's exciting on some level, they want to do everything to make sure that it happens, right? Like, like not right. fuck it up. But on some level, you have to be okay with it just taking a shit as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I don't, uh, you know. I've and it will recently... sometimes. <laughs> it will take a shit sometimes. I've had some shit. I've had some shit projects. No, I, um, I, I think it's important. You know, you, things are going to blow up eventually, sure. But trying to mitigate that and getting into it, you know, beforehand, before it all goes to complete shit is, is really important. And frankly, I've only recently been able to say no to projects, like, where I've gotten busy enough to be like, you know what, that just doesn't sound, like, realistic. It just doesn't sound like it's something I even want to be involved in. Yeah. But thank you, you know, but, you know, no thank you. And that's really freeing. That's kind of nice. Yeah. And, you know, you so, get to pick and choose what is, is valuable to you at the same time. Besides sure. what... But... You know, I, it seems like – I do you find yourself doing things that you would – like, is there projects where it's like, okay, I need to get some cash flow going? Or it's like, I'm just doing uh, this fucking thing. Not, not recently, which has been rad. You know, I'm, I'm a working artist. Like, that's 100% of my income is, is kind of through my own hands. So, of course, there's that need to continually be doing something. Yeah. And I've learned – like, I mean, my kind of my story is sort of simple. Like, I, I couldn't sell paintings here in San Diego to get by. There was just no way. I wasn't, you know, either good enough or well known enough, or probably a combination of the both, you know, to to get by. And it wasn't until I got like my first big project, which was in a restaurant, that I was like, whoa, like this is the first check that's got like multiple zeros on it. Crazy, <laughs> you know? Yeah. What the fuck? Like, so instead of like stressing and dealing with this one client for his, you know, hundred and fifty dollar piece of artwork and going back and forth and communicating, it was like, I could just do one really big thing in a restaurant or a bar or something like that, and I could make, you know, my entire month just off this one project. And that was really nice. I really liked that transition. So I got, yeah. Is that like, I could see that as being a sort of um, evolutionary sort of process, right? Like, okay, Mm -hmm. here's the situation in which I'm presented Um, how might I, you know, get out of the fucking quicksand, which is sort of how I see the San Diego art scene as just a sort of, yeah, but we're working on that, Mike, we're working on that hard and you know, it's, uh, a San Diego art scene to just talk about. Let's, let's talk about that. That's what we can. I think this is a perfect time. Because, well, you know, it's kind of suck for all your listeners who aren't from San Diego, but not missing much, guys. Don't worry. Um, I, <laughs> well, here's the, here, my point. Is I, like, I want to start really showcasing more San Diego artists on the show as I can. Cool. That's awesome. But it's like, you know, like, we, we're so isolated here. Right. And that ends up being a real big problem. Well, you Apparently, know, to- like, perceptively. We're trying to change that. Um, you know, I think that's that's definitely true. There's definitely a lot of division. There's not a lot of cohesiveness. There's not like a, there's not even like what other cities have, where they have like those like you know third Thursdays or whatever, where everyone goes out and sees art on the same night, and all the galleries are open, and there's like that community where you're gonna like run into people and collide and stuff, and yeah. new ideas are gonna form and whatnot. It's like it, it doesn't really exist. Yeah, it's not on a week to week basis. It's like every few months we see, we. Sure, sure. Yeah, like someone has a show that we're all friends with, and then boom, like, you know, oh, then you see each other again. And 
Um, you know, that, that is something like we're definitely working on that and trying to change that. Um, I saw that as a, as a big problem. Uh, my girlfriend, Carly Ely, she saw that as a big problem as well. And we both, both kind of had our own independent issues with that. And once we started talking about it and with a few other friends, like Spencer Little and Exist, um, Joey Viasuso, Nico Burke, and Dolan Stearns, we were able to kind of form a little collective, the Cohort Collective. And, you know, or we don't have like a written out mission statement or anything, but I, I think it's important to try to try to do as much cool shit in San Diego as frequently as we can. Yeah. And to, to have it like I looked around, I did some online research and I couldn't find like any sort of like atelier or collective really in San Diego that was run all by artists. And that was one thing I thought that was really important. <clears throat> it was like, who knows what an artist wants better than an artist? Like, you want to be able to kind of cruise in on your time, do your project, you know? And, like, it's it's easier for me to set up shows and stuff that way, having the mindset of an artist, knowing what would be appealing to an artist. And then I can invite someone, and then they'll be like, oh, hell yeah, I'll say yes to that. Like, that sounds great. So what do you think? So obviously there is a lack of venues, that's a, a real big issue here in San Diego yeah. for for, but even then, like, there's been plenty of venues in the past, although none of Ooh. them have had uh, longevity. Um, there's been ton. There's shows every month. You know, there's shows happening. There's places that are showing art, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but there is very little recognition. Uh, nationally regionally you know throughout the state yeah like you know it's almost like we don't we don't have a art media here in san diego Mm -hmm. which is you know part of the reason why i want to try to act and get more san diego artists on the show um i've had tons of san diego artists on the show but like but even the fact is is like i could throw a rock (laughs) in los angeles and hit three artists Right, and who are like really high level painters too? Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So I think, dope work and, and I've said it. Yeah. I've said it on the internet. There's there's not as many good painters as people like to say that there are. There's not as many good artists in San Diego as people like to say there are. There's there is a small grouping of talented working artists, but sure. it in comparison to like the population range. Right. We have a really low percentage if you compare it to the other major. Sure, but there's, there's, there's a couple of factors, I think, that go into play there. And one of our main issues in San Diego is that we're so close to other bigger markets like L.A. and San Francisco that once someone blows up here and kind of makes it big, then they sort of run out of shit to do here and they go to L.A. It just makes more sense. Like you could have a show in L.A. and there's an educated art market. There's super high people. There's... You know, there's, there's also that whole entertainment industry up there where people are running around trying to buy paintings and, like, cool art shit for their house because they're creative, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah, that's and a huge thing. I, I mean, if, 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 I, if I weren't project-based, I couldn't survive as an artist here in San Diego just solely off paintings. It, it just – it's not possible for me, you know, yeah. and not possible for a lot of other people. Everyone else kind of has to have a side job. they got to have, like, their design gig or your, your retail gig or your waiter gig or whatever it is on the side, and that, you know, obviously eats into your time to create. And I think that's the one of the real major issues. But then it makes me wonder, right, like – it's expensive as fuck to live in San Francisco. It's getting more expensive to live in Los Angeles. Um, 
right? But we don't have the buyers here. We have like a it's, San Diego is a military town, super conservative, with like the the you know we're like America's finest city. There's no graffiti. Those people are on it. Yeah. Like they, they 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 take care of it almost as soon as it goes up. That type of thing. So I think that I think that things are changing in San Diego. I think that they're coming around. I think that business owners and and property owners and whatnot are are more open to murals and and cool art on their spaces. Um, but you know, just like anything, it's going to take time. And it, it is it a, the one thing I would say about San Diego's art scene and like everyone does kind of trash it here in San Diego. And I always get bummed out because I'm like, yo, you know, you're, you're part of it. Like you're, you're yeah, trashing I'm mad at myself. something that you're in. I'm completely like, mad at myself. I shit on myself all the time. Well, yeah, there you go. But, but, so, <laughs> but you're right. You're right. And so like, how do you, <clears throat> but, how do you look through it? How do you look at it through the, the, the positive viewfinder? Well, you look at it like, yo, what are you doing to improve the the art scene? You know, not you in particular. You, yeah. you got your shit. You got your podcast. You're doing cool things that are promoting artists. But like most people, it's like, okay, well, what are you doing to improve it? Instead of just sitting there talking bad about something, like how are you actively changing it in a positive manner? And most people, that question will go like, you know, they won't have anything to say. Because yeah. frankly, we need more people who are pushing. And like, dude, one thing that. Can I like, make a point on is, that real quick? Just, I think yeah. part of, uh, I think actually being critical is doing something in a way that, like, if you have a bunch of people who are just kind of blowing smoke up each other's asses and telling each other how great they are, without yeah. without a sort of broader uh, range of view, you know, like if, in comparison to a, a wider art world. Um, I think that there needs to be a counterbalance sometimes um, yeah. when it's a little bit too much. And it's the people who are it's the people who are really working who tend to be the most critical. I think mm. you know who the people who are putting yeah. in the most hours tend to be like the most jaded and like bitter. Don't you deserve it at that point, though? <laughs> I think <laughs> like, so. Fuck, I this think is my so. life. I do it all the time. Fuck but I think painting. your point. I, don't see it. I think your point is is really valid too. Like. How the fu- like if you just bitch about it all the time, nothing's ever gonna fucking change, you know. It's like the most hipster thing to do in the world is just bitch about what's out there and whoever's trying to put forth good work and trying to be creative, yeah. but not to offer your own like solution. You just you know you're just like you know it's like poo poo everything, poo poo that sucks. Oh, I don't like that. It's not my stump. You know, there's it's like yo what are you actively doing like you got to put yourself out there and like an artist would do like you you literally put your heart and soul into a work and you put it up on a wall and you let people walk by and judge it all night <laughs> you know you're you're putting yourself out there yeah. you're saying like this is important all right let's blame it on let, let's blame it on the buyers then let's do that yeah for sure let's blame it on those guys no but there is some, you know there is some aspect of that too like that <laughs> the people who are wealthy in this city aren't the type of people who are buying uh, right. artwork from mid-career artists. They're, yeah, they're like young professionals. they got the first house, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, they're not going to go out there and spend their, their, you know, what's equivalent to maybe a month's rent on a, on a painting, even though it's worth it. If yeah. It's just it's not something people around them are doing. I, no, I was just going to say that I was surprised that every time I sell something to – Somebody who is that like young, uh, you know, first time homeowner, uh, you know, like 
just starting to get their life together where buying a significant size painting is costly, but they can afford it, you know, just like barely. I'm I'm yeah. always surprised at when when that happens. I I'd, I'd venture to guess that most of those people have been following your artwork for some time and are now at the place financially where they can pull the trigger and it's something that they've wanted for a while. Yeah, it didn't, that could very well be true. And maybe that's sort of, you know, like a, maybe part of the story here, like San Diego being the type of place where maybe you have to fucking put in years and years and years of work and, you know. But, I, you know, it's hard to say. There's no real, like, figuring this thing out, I don't think. I don't know. I mean, I, I have an idea. I have a I got my little my little idea. We'll see what happens Hypothesis. with it. Yeah, you know, we're, we're testing it. Well, but I have the idea that, like, okay, so, like, a rising tide raises all ships, right? And if you're you're growing the community and you're putting art out there, especially in the public realm, which is why murals are amazing, it's like it, it's sort of getting in someone's face almost every day. Yeah. And they're like, wow, that's, like, wow. So art's impacting them positively. So hopefully with enough of that, people will start to, you know, see that it's desirable. And, like, you go to other cities like San Francisco or L.A. or, you know, New York or whatever, and there's, like, there seems like there's murals in every corner. It's yeah, like you turn the corner, it's like, boom, crack, and oh, whoa, you know. And we don't have that, but if we could develop that a little bit, then I think, you know, people will see that and go, like, wow, shit, I want that in my home. And hopefully look up that artist and, and go buy something from him. Yeah. Or, I, or commission them for a mural, you know. That would be awesome, too. I've uh, I've been talking a lot about uh, the ship getting jumped by the whole mural scene as of late. Like, mm-hmm. I wonder if it's becoming if it's oversaturating itself on on some yeah. level. But I I totally agree. Like like I would being able to turn a corner and see like a, a large even if I don't like aesthetically like an artwork. If I turn a corner and see a bright colorful <clears throat> wall. I'm way more stoked than any gray, right. beige, just right. plain Stucco. fucking thing or some ad for fucking Saquon Casino or some bullshit, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it, mm-hmm. it, And I would assume that that's the same for most people. But some people know. Right. Some people would rather see white walls, I think. Yeah, but some people suck. That's like, the, like yeah, I, I think it's... <laughs> hey, what can you do? <laughs> there's, there's always going to be someone out there who doesn't like the work that you do or doesn't like the particular mural that's gone up. And, like, there's always... But even for... I think, but, uh, I think there's whatever. people that prefer blank space. Like, almost like people with, uh, like, anxiety or OCD issues. Like, I feel like <laughs> there's, like, sometimes it, like, just the actual, like, an image of... It could be any... It could be, like, a butterfly with fucking sunflowers or something it doesn't matter what it is but they would like almost prefer just a blank empty space you know like those people who keep their rooms fucking spotless all the time sure or, like their sure. house yeah. doesn't have a thing of dust in yeah. it it's they're like almost types. serial killers though dude like they're, they're weird they're oh, like on the yeah. fringe so is it sociopaths <laughs> or psychopaths i think it's sociopaths sociopath. no yeah. sociopath someone people have called me sociopath before you got kind of like what's that? What was that? Uh, Some relative frequency. What was that? What was that movie? The uh, the shit. I'm uh, American oh, Psycho. Yeah, American Psycho. I already yeah. You know, you're going on that. that one. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> I never noticed Yo, it like, before till now. It's about getting shit done. Yo, let's get some shit done. Let's stop talking about getting shit done, and then let's actually get the shit done. 
and things will happen. Like I have, here's my like main thing with people I want to work with. The first thing is work ethic. It's like, I bust my ass, dude. I work so hard. I'm sure you work extremely hard as well. Like if you, if you're making as an artist in San Diego, you're working your ass off. <laughs> yeah, you have to. So, if you're like, oh, I'm a young buck, I want to come up, I want to I play art too, like, I want to do these murals, it's cool shit, you're like, all right, great, but, like, first things first, you got to be able to work your ass off and do all the shitty jobs, like, don't be afraid to lift up a broom or put down tape or put in plastic, you know yeah, what I mean, yeah. like, that's... Where does expect. that, where does that work ethic come from for you, do you think? Oh, jeez, I don't know. I think it's, um, I have two parents who both own their own business while I was growing up. And I think a lot of that was instilled by them. Um, my mom was a designer. She was a graphic designer. She owned her own agency for a while. And she she was the one who sort of, you know, pushed, not pushed, but encouraged me to do art and was yeah. like, you know, <laughs> encouraged. Do you like that? Uh, she she kind of, you know, put art in front of me and I was really excited by it and that type of thing. But, you know, both of my parents, my dad mostly, though, I kind of got that business sense from him where it's like, yo, no bullshit. Let's just get down to it. Let's figure it out and let's get it done. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think that's kind of where that developed from. Uh, where were your folks from? So, uh, they live here now, obviously, but um, they they met in LA. My dad is from like you know Dogtown, fucking Venice, wow, like seventies. <laughs> yeah. And my mom is from Malibu, and they met at Santa Monica High School. Wow, how great! And we're like kind of high school sweethearts, whatever. And then. Um, my dad actually went to college down here at State and fell in love with San Diego for all the reasons. I mean, they're pretty evident yeah, if you the, make the switch from L.A. to San Diego. Yeah, of course. Uh, and you're like, whoa, less traffic, better beaches, uh, cheaper living, you know, the whole thing. Shittier art scene. No. Yeah. yeah that's <laughs> probably... No, I love the San Diego art scene. That's why I'm still here. If, if I didn't, I wouldn't. I would have left a long time ago. Right, like, right. And I feel like, I, you know... As much as I shit talk on the whole thing, like yeah. it, it's only because I love it so much, you know. Like I want, I want to see things improve, and I know that there's room for for tons of improvement. Um, but then again, it's like, who? Why even? Like a part of me is well, like, why are you trying to force shit? Why? You trying, why well, just work? Me, just me yeah. in general, or just like the basic the, our sort of society, you know? Well, like just do the work. Well, let me ask you a question. But I got to okay, flip sure. the podcast around. Yeah, why not? Why not? Why did Why did you stay after all these years in San Diego? Because obviously you got friends who are in you know other markets. You know a million and a half painters. I'm sure you could go to a different city and set yeah. yourself up in that community. No problem. Um, I've well, literally felt like, I, and I've said it before, like San Diego has some sort of magnetic connection for me. Even if I mm -hmm. leave for a while, like if I leave for a week. I feel it in my body, like it wants mm. to like come back. So it's like there's something about this geographical location on this part of Earth. Well, it's an awesome city, dude. It's it's pretty cool. Like but, it, but I, 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 and I complain about things. All there's so much for me <clears throat> to complain about, but there once like once it boils down to like where else would you want to live like there there isn't really another place that i, I i'd love to go spend a week somewhere else but right. in terms of living like it, i don't have any i could romanticize the idea of leaving for like a year but i always know that i would come back you know hmm. what i mean like and it's i don't have any real specifics just it just feels like it's home home yeah, yeah it makes sense 
But at the same time, it's funny. Like, none of that seems to go into my work. Like, whereas I feel like other places, like people's environments. And I I feel like kind of maybe that's a a good way to look at your work. I feel like the things that you're making have a very specific environmental type. Like, the things that are around you seem to show up in the work um, graphically. um even the city itself seems to play a pretty significant role in the images that you're making. Um, mm-hmm. Is do you find that the the city is affecting you in in that work, or do you feel like you're just incorporating yeah. images to you know even like you're saying like if we can build a like you know raise the sea level a little bit like if you're if mm-hmm. you're making the city cool, then other people will think that the city is cool too, right? But if right. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right. I just changed my mind. I just changed my right. mind. Right, like, if you're... <laughs> there we go. That's all I had to say. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, like, okay, yeah, so how does this city... Affect, like, I did a, a mural of beach chairs on this location down here, the art center. It's, like, right when you kind of drive in off the 94. And, I mean, the whole premise of that, it's about, like, lazy, destructive patterns, and it's kind of about the whole, like, everyone, like, you know, or at least people look at it. They're like, beach chairs. I like to sit in chairs. And they're like, yeah, <laughs> good for you, you know. And if they take it on that level and they're just happy that it's pretty and it's colorful, then, like, awesome. You know, that's great. And uh, if they want to, like, go do, like, funny picture poses and go for it. But it's, you know, the whole idea about that was, just, it was like, trying to challenge people to sort of wake up out of that lazy, repetitive, destructive kind of like super chill like oh bro kind of like california vibe yeah and you so know, that's we kind get of what into routines about. right what's that we get into routines oh yeah hardcore unless you're an artist then every day is different and you got to go like hustle and scrounge and forage for food you know that's i'm trying to find somebody to teach me how to forage for for wild vegetation out here Oh, like legitimate foraging? Yeah, dude. It's a real deal. I've been cooking a bunch lately. So, like, the idea of finding wild ingredients that just grow naturally. There's so many things that just grow around, like, especially along the coastline. Yes. No way. Yes. There's so much stuff. (laughs) Dude, I feel like you're going to be on the side of the road just, like, picking some foul bush and yeah. that's how we're gonna hear about the demise of mike <laughs> yeah, maxwell pick the fucking hemlock Dude, he got, he got put it on some fish yeah. the wrong mushroom. That was it. that that's part of that once we hit if we get a little rain during this uh el nino or el nino that we're getting i'll for yeah. sure be up in the Cuyamacas looking for that's some mushrooms we'll see do you do that do you have forage for uh I'm like, lo- what can you pick up Dude, there's tons of stuff. So even like – so, you know, like the ice plant that tends to be around like pools and like things that – it's like the little like – it almost looks like an artichoke with the little red leaf on it. Yeah. It's a succulent. Yeah. Like that is edible. Um, really? There, there's sage. There's lettuce. There's um, all kinds of different like uh, – Wild lettuce? Yes. Like oh, there's, <laughs> there's this stuff called no persla- persane. I'm I'm not pronouncing it right, it, it, and I only just learned about it. But it like grows around where there's clover, and it's used in Mexican dishes, like South American dishes, all the time. Like they love it, and it's really cheap to buy too. So you could probably get it, you know, at a farmer's market or at a store for pretty cheap. But you could fucking pick it in like yards and like in particular areas. So I'm still learning. Like I, I I'm saying all this like as if I have I've been out there <laughs> on the trail, like putting in work, but. 
I'm only just learning just about get it. Get your little pouch over your shoulder. Yeah, I'm going to Johnny Appleseed that whole fucking thing. There you go, player. Do it. I used to farm. like I'm Not farm, but I had a garden for a while when I uh, lived in the East County. But now I'm all city. I, I can't do it. It sucks. Hmm. But there's a ton of stuff, especially here in such a interesting climate like San Diego. Like yeah. All along the coastline. Uh, even like the ability to – I could go snorkel and get fucking five sea urchin. And have like mm-hmm. a fucking gourmet meal, little uni dinner. Fuck yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to get into all that. Like, dude, you know what's real good? Garibaldi. Yeah, I go spear a few of them. I don't think I've ever had Garibaldi before. I'm just kidding. No, they're, you they're can't. Protected. They're protected. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're like shit. a state fish. Like, those are the little orange fuck. You can see them. Actually, yeah. I, I've been wanting to go. You can get pine nuts from. Uh, yeah, yeah. From, feed them right. No, not from from the trees. You could. Oh, okay. To feed the Garibaldi? No, you, well, you could feed the Garibaldi, get them all fat, and then catch them. <laughs> yeah, you fatten them up. up. Dude, they cruise around. They got no freaking predators. They like they feel like they own the ocean. You know, every other fish, I feel like, is scared out there except for the Garibaldi. None He's of the sharks fuck around. with them? This big dick out. Well, I don't know. I'm talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck do I know? Oh yeah, the local the local marine ecosystems. I feel like I should know though. I'm like more involved with Pangea Sea these days. Well, that's what I'm like saying. Gotta... Even this idea of be like learn like just the fact that there's all this food out there. You know, mm-hmm. the, we just are so dumb and far removed from the oh, yeah. like source yeah. that we have no relation back into like yeah. the natural food source, even the natural like systematic processes that take place. No, you know? no, I was, when I grew up, like, I grew up in, like, uh, in a suburb, and it was, like, stucco. And yeah, it was me boring. too. And yeah. I just assumed, like, a hamburger was a meal. I didn't really even think that it was different ingredients, and there was veggies in there. I was just like, that's the meal. And then you get a carne asada burrito. Duh. Like, that's the other meal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's like, then you go surf again. Duh. Like, that was the, you know. There's a big disconnection but, there. Oh, 100%. But, I mean, uh, that's modern society. I don't know. Are we going to solve it? I don't think we're going to solve it on the podcast, Mike. No, and, you know, it's I don't like to, like, like shit on that because, you know, every time I, I think about, like, modern food technology, you know, like what we're dealing with, the reality mm-hmm. is it's to feed all the fucking people. It's so as, as many right, people right. don't starve as possible. Of course, people are making money and profitizing off of the food right. sources but right. at the same time it's really like people are trying right. to figure uh, out how to feed people yeah seven billion people and you gotta get put food in their mouths every day yeah so i you know i'm even though i try to not like eat gmo like i try to eat clean i'm not one to be like oh that's fucking horrible because i realize even though you know there is a lot of shittiness to our food processed food in our country it, the reality is it's like it most people are able to not starve every day. Right. But well, that's probably it's probably a good thing. It probably is. But maybe maybe not though. Maybe we're <laughs> overpopulated and if yeah. if people What's actually had to go joke? It's like eighty five percent of you gotta go. If, <laughs> right dude, now. if people had to go find their own food, easily we would drop like fifty percent. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, We'd be eating each other. We're, we're far too removed. We had like the you know, arch- agricultural, then an industrial boom, and now we're consumers, and we're, we're you know we're taking in the the product at the end. It's 
we are far removed. We're like three steps out of the equation at that yeah. point. So sustainability is a big issue that's going on lately. I know you've yeah. been doing a bunch of work with Pangea Seed. Personally, you went down to Mexico, um, mm-hmm. and the big Kabo Festival is coming up. Maybe we could talk about that a little bit. Probably, yeah. Do you want to? Oh, I mean, I should yeah. Let's talk about it a little bit. So I, I got involved with Pangea Seed last year, where they were looking to do a, a mural festival out here in San Diego. And um, we were able to pull off a little bit. We had an unfortunate schnafu with uh, our main sponsor there at the end. Um, And things kind of went a little bit haywire after that. But we still had some sick-ass muralists in town. We were able to get them up on walls. And that was one thing I was super excited about was being able to, like, play host. You know, because I love this city. I want to make this our community as good as it could possibly be. And and having all these great international names come here and shine a little bit of light. And, like, even, like, I, you know, if I was growing up and I, I drove by, like, a, a huge mural, I, I, you know, I'd be like, wow, that's amazing, you know. And the fact that I was able to help put some of those together that are hopefully inspiring people is, is really cool, you know. Yeah. And, and having had, people you know, see those things happen, too, is really important. Like, having people view work take, being taken place in person mm-hmm. over a, a week period where you know i've i've had so many people find like such great uh joy by starting like walking by and seeing the beginning of a mural and then coming right. back by like a week later and seeing the finished thing taking place like yeah it seems valuable for a community on some level i think it is i feel like and it would it, when they do see it develop like that they sort of own it a little bit like they they kind of are like part of it yeah yeah yeah. i feel they feel like attached to it yeah they're like well i saw that go up i saw the guy sweating like i bought him a beer that one day uh-huh. and like he was cool you know or like That's why whenever okay, whenever i see kids i always try to let the kids like spray do get a little spray yeah. in or but even that could, like, jettison them. You know, it could be the spark, yeah, right? Exactly. Like, it, it really could be. You never know. It's going to, like, influence a kid or take their life in a weird direction, you know? And change the mind of maybe a critic, you know? Like, change the mind of sure. somebody who is opposed to something like that, mm-hmm. which we need a lot more yeah. of. I think art's a powerful tool. It really is. <clears throat> and I think it can change minds. And one cool thing about art is that, it, you know, when you paint a mural, like, let's say you're doing a Pangea seed piece, a seawall, right? Which... Has you know all of the the pieces that we were able to do in Mexico um, not only are beautiful aesthetically and you know done by some of the best artists in the world in my opinion but they all kind of had a message and they're all kind of based on a theme and it opens that door so you can you can communicate that message to someone whereas it might have been closed before you know they're like I don't really care about the ocean but they see something beautiful they're like wow what's this all about and then you kind of tell them like hey. You know, there's an issue with sustainable fishing, or there's an issue with this this type of pollution, or there's an issue with you know coastal development, and then they're like, oh, okay, you know, it, it can begin a conversation. Yeah, and that's what it takes sometimes. If if you know, I always t- I always use the Wu Tang line, "How could he know what the fuck he never knew?" Like sometimes a word, pe- word, pe- dog. You know what I mean? So it's like how like some things just never like if somebody's on their day to day, they're like worrying about feeding their family, going to work, paying their bills. Like maybe some of these issues that, you know, are being raised by a lot of people. Like it's not like nobody's talking about these things. But for some people, maybe they need uh, some type of intervention in that way. You know, just like some big like slap in the face, like, holy shit, here's this big thing. Right. right. Oh, now I could think of something. A big mural. Yeah. A big old mural that says the oceans are fucked. And then you go like, what does that mean? 
I wonder, yeah. I wonder what's going to happen. Dude, this, the future's scary. I don't like... I hate all those predictions because it always sucks because it's all in our lifetime. Like, we're the generation who's definitely, like, you know, feeling the beginning of this horrible global climate crisis. It's, it's, you people have been mean? saying it's the like, same thing for, like, 30 years, 40 yeah, years. Yeah, but no, but they've, they've always been – yeah, I know. And, like, when I was in school, too, the predictions were, like, by 2025, like, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, my fuck, like, I'm going to be there for that. That's and terrifying. It's the fear, right? Like, it, it, I think the prediction – like, the idea that, like, thing like, – because the world changes for everybody, and it changes no matter what. And, of course, like – there's a right. lot of things that we could do to adapt and and be much less harmful to to the planet. But it seems like oh, that fear shit. has always existed amongst every generation for as long as humans had a little bit of time to think about it, you know? Sure. But we see we see obvious ecological um changes taking place that are very specific to the way that we behave on this planet, you know. Oh, like, I think I'm I'm curious to see as soon as these oceans start to rise, if if they do, if if we get our the ice caps start to just completely right. melt, but that's just it too, and that could go at an exponential rate. And that's what people don't understand is exponential rates. They they go slow for a very long time, and then they blow up like yeah. crazy. Yeah. And that could happen with our oceans. It could heat to a point where then it's fucking. You know what I mean? It's it, it's like, dude, these things are they're gonna get bad. So like, why not mitigate? As like even the thing I don't understand is like even if you're the most like right wing conservative Republican whatever, you know, abolish the EPA. Let's build that Keystone Pipeline guy. Like, yeah. At the end of the day, if I said to you like, hey, we should try to conserve some nature because we're all on this same rock together, like that that shouldn't make sense. Yeah, to it you. should. Yeah, it shouldn't be. It a, should. a point of contention. <laughs> No, it's not based on politics. Like we're all gonna, we're all gonna cook in the same, you know, boiling oceans. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's 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 uh, it's not good. It seems like we are the as humans in general um, tend to not act, and it kind of I guess this gets back to the whole what we were talking about with the San Diego art. Like, we tend to not act until something has already happened. Do you know what I mean? Sure, like, the, the dire need is there and it's presented. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I guess the water's rising. Oh, it's yeah, like that Johnny Cash it, song, like, two feet high and rising. And it's like, okay, okay, right, okay. Right. Oh, now the water's what? Four feet high. Oh, shit. Da, 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 da. You know, no, like, it's the Hangman song. It's like 19 minutes to go. You got it all wrong. <laughs> no, the, the, there's another song. There's another. That's there's oh. that song, too. But there's a, there's a song about a flood, too. He has a global warming song? That guy was on to some stuff, man, way back. Good for him. But man, living in uh, living on those rivers like in Arkansas and Texas, like catch some nasty floods. Even mm. even pre global warming. <laughs> pre pre global panic. Pre global whatever you decide to call it. It, it should yeah. be interesting to see. I mean, we're we're gonna see a lot of changes just in the way that our map looks. Like it's gonna it's gonna be. Yeah. It's, and it, yeah. the the big <laughs> deal is like it, what I was talking about food like. We're going to see, as soon as things start to change with the ocean, we're going to see mm-hmm. food systems completely fucking change. And, you know, oh, yeah. See but, dude, but then again, there's, there's always that whole, like, maybe we'll save ourselves through great technology. 
route like like the vertical hydroponic farms that don't take up a large footprint so if you had that in the middle of your city and you grew everything in one tower and you wouldn't have to caught you know wouldn't be shipping across the country yada 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 that that type of stuff so well, that's for sure that's for sure possible i mean it's, they're already doing it it's 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 in practice i just i think it needs to make more sense in the in the you know that whole the money realm and that's... the financial realm where people will really really start to change their behavior and that's exactly where pollution comes from it's a direct result of greed and stupidity too like i dude i was just at the sky show uh this past weekend and i was watching all the college kids party in the parking lot and a group of kids you know grown adults i'll call them kids but they were all over the age of 18 or you know prefer maybe the age of 21 uh they left four to five parking spots like full spaces completely covered in trash and a part of me is like wow okay if we had a world yeah if we had a world where we weren't shitheads like if if everybody were responsible for themselves and weren't fucking total douchebags then we wouldn't have to police everybody we wouldn't need police we wouldn't need um organizations to tell we wouldn't need artists to go paint huge murals to tell people that things are fucked. You know what I mean? Like, right. If we, but people are douchebags. And greed. So. And greed, too. So that it has to be to where to make things better is profitable, mm-hmm. becomes the norm. Then maybe we, we advance. But then it's like what you said. So we come up with a new technology that solves problem A. But inadvertently, right. through the process, a, a, a new problem arises in C. And well, but but hopefully people are starting to think through those things a little bit more with sustainable design. And that whole word is, you know, that it'll last for a long time. You know, I hope that people in power begin to realize how important it is. Like, there's some cool buildings that they're going to build in the future here, Maker's Quarter, that are going to be all green focus like you know with some cool like shade sails that move through the day that reflect the sun off just right and blah blah blah. you know like there's all these like cool technological advances that could really come into play and make like you know like these like you know they call them green buildings whatever that term means but (laughs) yeah you know what i mean that like over time will will waste less and will be able to you know power themselves through solar and that type of thing and And that's that's cool I like to think that people like our generation are starting to become more powerful and be able to be in positions of power to do these things. But then I see these goddamn college kids. These girls with their fucking vaginas hanging out. Well, I know. There's fucking retarded. I know, but. I I get it. But, like, the fact that they seem so goddamn stupid. Like, everybody yeah. seems stupid. Dude, I was stupid. I know. Well, I, imagine, I, knew. I won't say you were stupid, but no, you I, probably were a little stupider. I was way know? stupider. Yeah, so you grow and up. I turn, That's yes, what I people know, do. The young, the, the young kids are always going to be the ones who are fucking off and not caring and, and partying and leaving for, you know, parking spaces worth of trash. Uh, but I but that do makes agree me think, with you. That makes me think, and, are they as connected to the future now as I, I'm trying to pretend, like, like we are, you know, like, oh, the old generation, they, you know, they just didn't know they were dickheads, whatever. But the, since my generation's coming into power now, they'll make changes. But then if I look, I'm like, oh, but if, if that, if, if the, the sort of the scope of that were true, it would seem like the generations younger than us 
would be right. a little more ahead of the game. But again, you know, kids again, are fucking but, retarded. But you know, you got the hormones are you know pumping, boopity boopity. You're in college, you know. Hey, we'll worry about this whole sustainable boopity thing boppity. later on. All right. Yeah, boopity boppity. We're booping around San Diego State here. Let's give them the benefit yeah, of the doubt, but they're fucking retarded. But I agree with you on that, and that once this older generation kind of dies off, you know, the people who go out and vote, um, I think that we'll see a lot of cool social progressive changes in America. It's happening. I believe it's happening. Yeah. I could see it. It I is happening. It, it yeah. is happening. Gays can get married. People can get smoke weed. You know, it'll be interesting to things. see what if uh, Bernie Sanders can get elected. What sort of dude? That would be that. pretty cool. Because here's he what we're seeing: the Hillary machine. Dude. I don't know. It's a big. That's a tough one. I feel like the people's media now is starting to become more powerful than the actual media. In do you that, mean that by like internet, social, internet, that just, type of thing? Yeah, just the way that young people interact now and yeah. or you know even the way old people interact now it's just all groups of people interact now is so different that they're i think not as many people are getting confused or bamboozled by very specifically designed media news media specifically as opposed to like people's social media like the if you hear something from your neighbor it might hold a little bit more weight than fucking bill o'reilly you know, because you Word. like we. I think everyone's becoming aware that they're being scammed. Even though I think everyone kind of knows it already, I think there's a little bit more. People are more in touch with what's actually going on compared to what the media is telling them. Yeah, maybe what we have to do to make the kids understand is make it cool. You know, make like sustainable stuff cool. And I don't know how you do that, but uh, murals maybe. But you know, like. Yeah, you know what? What do what do those young kids who leave all the trash follow? Probably pop culture, and you know, maybe if pop culture pop culture was a little bit more like, hey, by the way, have your party, then clean up. Yeah, you know, it could. <laughs> what, that's, that, a pretty shitty, that's a pretty shitty song right there. So who knows? It's funny. I was just uh, my my gym had their five year anniversary uh, this past on Sunday, <clears throat> and you know, there's a bunch of pizza and food and barbecue and beer and sodas and shit. And, you know, kids and just all kinds of people running around. And at the end of it, you know, everyone is starting to leave or whatever. And there was a group of us who all started cleaning up, like mm-hmm. picking up the trash, making sure everything was put away and all that. And it, it, yeah, it was – you don't want to get choked out. I understand. Well, even beyond that, I and I realized – I was like – I had a hypothesis. I was like, hmm, I'm going to – I was like I, – I, there was this girl, Evelyn, who was cleaning up. I was like, hey, Evelyn. I'll bet you right now, I pointed to this other guy, Robert. I was like, I bet you Robert uh, grew up in, like, a big family. I bet there's a lot of people in his family. And she's like, oh, why do you say that? I was like, just, let's just ask. I was like, "Did uh, like how many uh, brothers and sisters do you have? Or, like, how many aunts and uncles do you have or whatever? And he was like, oh, I got, you know, like, a, a shitload or whatever it was. Big family. Yeah. And I, I realized that it was people who are used to going to, like, big family parties where it's like, yeah. you know, like yeah. – 30 people 25 people or whatever that at the end of the family party everyone was sort of and you know like i grew up in a family where it's like sunday dinners type of thing like everybody like the family gets together at the end of the week and everyone kind of had to chip in and do something at the end of it right so like Mm -hmm. you know like the guys had to go take out the trash the ladies would be doing the dishes you know we'd be putting the food in the tupperwares or whatever it's a team effort 
And I feel like that's sort of what, but I, what I realized was like, oh, okay, so that's something that's a sort of a learned process in somebody who grows up in a big family. Not that somebody in a single family couldn't also learn that process too, obviously. But it seems like right, there's right. just just due to the nature of there being a lot of people in a, in a particular group, they force themselves to For to sure. uh, I had a be responsible. I had an employer one time go, "Hey, you always had your own room growing up, huh?" And I went like, oh, shit. Yeah? <laughs> Did? Like, you didn't have, I only had one sibling. He had his room. I had my room. And he was like, yep, I could tell. It was yeah. just based off, you know, personality. So, yeah, yeah that's for funny, sure. right? And so right. I, I feel like I like to see if if people acted as if they were in those same type of environments. Where it's like, imagine, like, if if you saw a piece of trash, you'd like, you just picked it up. Like if, if that were the cool thing, like if you knew, like if that just felt like if we had responsibility for one another, like I don't pick up other people's trash. If they fucking littered their trash, like that's their responsibility. Like I'm not going to. Yeah. So like, Mike, what did you do about those four parking spots? Huh? I let, well, it, what's <laughs> funny is that it also builds an economy somehow like litter actually builds economies too right in, there's in those unfortunate souls who have to go pick it up yeah yeah there was a stadium worker who had to go fucking pick all that shit up but at the same and time do, and that's part of an event yeah yeah but still it's like just the fact that somebody's willing to leave such a mess in that way without <clears throat> with there was even if there was 30 people there wasn't those four or five people that were like oh i guess we'll be the ones to take care of this you know if you're oh, right. here's here's if your friends are shitty and litter and leave a big mess, you should be responsible for them and pick up after them, even if you don't want to. How about that? Works for me. All right. Cool. You want to... Next, um, next time. I, next we, didn't time get a, we didn't get to talk about yeah, the Kaboo thing very much. Let's make sure we plug that. Well, let's so talk about it, man. I figure if they've listened this long, they're probably going to come to the show. So, hey. Well, let's. Uh, let, we're coming up here on the end of our... Our recording here so let's make sure we get at least plug it sure plug it well it's gonna be it's gonna be cool it's gonna be a really dope show um it's called reclaim the future and it's a in production with the pangea seed and the cohort collective and the whole show it's cool it's basically like a zero impact show so we asked all the artists to create a piece that um Basically, it was from found material or stuff they had lying around or stuff in their studio. Like, don't go out and buy anything for this. Just create something beautiful from what you have or what you can forage or find or, you know, scavenge. And we've gotten some of the work in so far, and it looks really beautiful. And it's, it, was a, it was a really cool act to kind of hopefully uh, challenge the artist in that, in that way. And it's going to run. It'll be at Kaboo from the 18th to the 20th of those three days. And for those people who aren't going to go to Kaboo, we're going to have a public show for the artwork down here at Silo on uh, September 26th, a Saturday night. We'll have a band. We'll have a little bit of live painting and a little bit of some installation stuff going on as well to expand it just a little bit. But it'll still kind of be that core show in the center. It's awesome. And a bunch of rad artists, a bunch of people have been on the show, a lot of San Diego, yeah, all San Diego artists yeah. pretty much. Yeah, like yeah, we wanted to to do a kind of more of a local show we've got you know uh adam hawthorne honky kong nico burks in the show carly myself exist spencer little ben horton dolan stearns uh matt stallings paul drohan jacqueline rose we've got uh more there's more yeah. we have like plus, I think plus, 22 plus. artists 
And yeah, also, yeah. there's going to be all the big ass murals that are artists from around <clears throat> the country, right. around the right. world, that are also going to be there. And this may be another opportunity again for people who aren't seeing work from outside of the city to also, mm. you know, big big art fair. You know, it's a it's going to be multiple gallery spaces showing, um, and these right. humongous murals is going to be it's going to be pretty awesome. Yeah, it should be cool. I part what is it, the eighteenth? Yeah, the 18th. Oh, it's coming up. But part of me, like the purest part of me, wants everything to be painted on site, but I totally understand all the logistical concerns and artists being from San Francisco and whatnot. Yeah, it looks like they were painting and, like large canvas things or large... Yeah, they, they built these huge like 20 by 30 foot canvas, or I think, you know, 20, yeah. And they um, basically had them painted up in uh, San Francisco in this big parking lot and they just went at it. Uh, Amanda Lynn was awesome thing as you know and um, she put that together I think she's SF based and used a lot of her connections and whatnot up there definitely put together a huge lineup like a really fucking solid lineup yeah I'm excited for it and then um, what uh, where can people find your work on the Instagrams the Twitters the uh, Facebooks yeah Christopher Christopher no I don't I'm not, I don't do the Twitter god damn it well, no, I don't know why it's... artists don't do Twitter I don't know, man. You'd probably talk me into it if we went into it, but do I it. just uh, do it. Do it. <laughs> let's do watch it. it. I'm convinced. Let's do it. Sign um, up. I know. I, should, I can do the Instagram because it's all visual. I like that, yeah. and I'm, I'm really bad at words and and the time to write the words. You should see my emails of as of late. They've been atrocious. I'm you sitting just, here working on. You just send your what Instagrams right to the Twitters. Just do whatever. You just post oh, your Instagrams God. right to the Twitters. You don't even have to do you anything. Don't. I'm so technology bad. I can barely figure out how to forward emails. Come on. It's, <laughs> All right. Now you just made yourself sound way too old. Nah, I'm just an old man. Just an old crotchety man over here. <laughs> nice. But no, yeah. But if they would like to follow me, uh, I guess it's uh, the Instagram is Mr. Konecki, M-R-K-O-N-E-C-K-I. Was that uh, Italian? Websites. Your last name no, Italian? It's, uh, it's Polish. Polish. Polish, yeah. Ki got, yeah, okay, got a lot sense. of big dumb Polak confidence in me. Yeah. That's where it comes from. Yeah, that's what it and uh, the, yeah, the, the website's my name, ChristopherKonecki.com, and uh, yeah, I can go on there. You should follow the Cohort Collective, CohortCollective.com, uh, or at Cohort Collective to see all the shows that we're going to do upcoming. Nice. Right, so we'll and, post uh, all that while you're at it. Yeah, we'll post all yeah, that up on the interwebs. Definitely make that all public for the peoples. It'll be a cool show, and you know, hopefully, um, we can continue building momentum and continue making the scene in San Diego a lot better place. You know, I think I think we're on a good track. I think we're on a better track than we've been. Yeah, since like well, it, dude, it's, it, but it, it takes mo. Well, you know, SD scene is like yeah, you know, like in the early two thousands, the graffiti scene was like really dope down here. It was cool. Uh, and then, for a lot of reasons, it got kind of shut down. Again, big artists, international, huge people now moved away from the city. Uh, you know, like a Shepard Ferry or a Dave Kinsey or something. You know what I mean? They're yeah. gone. And it, how how fucking cool would it have been for San Diego if those guys had the environment that was hosting them where they could have stayed? You know? Yeah. The that, really the uh, SDPD pushed them right. The I mean. It's part yeah, well, SDPD and business, and you know, business. part of city council making graffiti a felony offense. 
which in my opinion is a little little gnarly. That rape and graffiti are in the same category. Yeah, little intense. I feel like those are two very different crimes. Yeah, I agree. All right. You know what I mean? Well, on that note, you feel good? We got. <laughs> We got an no, hour. we can't end. We can't end on rape and graffiti. That's that's a shitty right. note. Let's just start another conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, that no, see you later. Well, okay, we'll leave you with that little gem. <laughs> a little tidbit. Uh, that's cool. We can end it here. Okay. I'm happy. I'm confident. We handled some shit. Yeah, we got an hour. We got an hour in the can. You know, it's late night. You usually do the podcast early. You painted like a thirty-five thousand foot mural today. How, yeah, how, 9, dude, how many panels? How many, how many sections are on? It's that thing? large. It's so it. Is, I, I figured out that the rotunda portion is the largest mural in San Diego, and uh, I had to check with some other ones. There's like some like Wyland esque shit off the freeway and some other stuff. Yeah. But I went down. I, I checked them out, and I'm, I'm pretty sure, unless I'm like totally blanking on like a giant piece somewhere, uh, I think it's the largest mural in San Diego. Yeah. There's that. There's that one that was like the monkey one on the on the train yeah line. we got that we got that beat and then there is the big whale one over there up by like headed up towards pb i think was that one's yeah that, well, there's that, that bank the... one downtown too it was pretty big which one kind of down uh towards the bay i forget exactly where it was what's on it it's just one of those big fucking whale ass paintings oh uh, yeah that got covered up man yeah uh, no, it didn't get shit. covered up, but it got a building built right in front of it. If you're talking about the Wyland one in in uh, Little Italy, they're like they built a building like four feet off it, uh, straight up. So yeah. I don't know, can we count that really? Um, but even then, I, I still think we have a big square footage wise. So it's large, dude. The yeah. the the projects at um, Ethan Broadway. If anyone wants to check it out, and it was um, it was cool. It's basically three murals on a parking garage, and the uh, the main rotunda space is like. 100 something odd feet by like 65 it's basically like a seven eight story now seven story structure and so we were able to part paint the huge part where the cars do the spiral on the way down so it's like a big circular area yeah and then two other panels on either side and it was cool i was able to uh include my girlfriend carly Ely as one of the models and spencer little is the other one oh red we keep it all in the family i've been trying yeah, to get so spencer those on two the podcast were, uh, immortalized do it man I like that guy. He's, well, I told uh, him I, he, I keep trying. Some people just are hard to get on. It, I, yeah, hey, who knows? I'll, I'll talk to him. We'll see what happens. Right, yeah, haggle. Uh, but he's he would be a fun one. I feel like you should do his in person because you guys could smoke tons of uh, weeds together it just, and laugh it, a lot. It, you know, sometimes but this is pretty much like it's not that much different sitting on the other side of the computer screen besides the sort of little digital lag. Yeah, no, it's it's not so bad. Feels like being on the phone with someone. I could have been in the bathtub right now. In fact, for all the listeners, no, I am. He is in the bathtub, candle lit. Rose petals. That's my, my water sound. <laughs> all right, let's do internet dap and call this thing a, a thing. You ready? Sounds good. There Bam. it is. Beautiful. I appreciate you taking the time to uh, to shoot the shit with me. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, we will. Uh, I'm going to come down. I got... <clears throat> I got to come down here in the next couple of days, bring my piece down for the show, and uh, hang out, smoke some weed, just there by myself go. or whatever. <laughs> Alone. <laughs> in the corner. Show up, get high. <laughs> get high before I show up. And yeah, then no, whatever. All right, bud. <laughs> good, brother. Take I care. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you later. All right, man. All right, bye. Peace.
That was my chat with Mr. Christopher Konecki. Uh, make sure you go give him a follow at Mr. Konecki on the, the Instagrammers. Uh, you could follow me at Mike Maxwell Art on all of the social medias, the Facebook and the Twitters. You can follow the podcast at Live Free Podcast. We just hashtag it on Instagram. I don't feel like doing a whole other fucking Instagram page for the podcast. So just check out the hashtag, Live Free Podcast. And uh, I thank you guys for listening. I'm not sure. I don't have an interview in the bag at the moment, but I have like three or four different people that I'm trying to talk to right now. We're just trying to get schedules lined up. But I think that you should get a new episode um, maybe next week as long as I'm not um, digging ditches or uh, becoming a trash man or something like that. Maybe I, maybe I'll just get into security. I'm, I might be bar security by next week. We'll see. Two feet high and rise. How high is the water, Papa? She said it's two feet high and rise. We can make it to the road in a homemade boat. That's the only thing we got left to the float. It's already over all of wheat notes. Two feet high and rise. How high is the water, Mama? Three feet high and rise. How high is the water, Papa? She said it's three feet high and rise. Well, the hives are gone. I lost my bees. Chickens are sleeping in the willow trees. Cows and water up past their knees. Three feet high and rise. Boy! How high is the water, Mama? Four feet high and rise. How high is the water, Papa? She said it's four feet high and rise. Hey, come look through the window pane. The bus is coming, gonna take us to the train. Looks like we'll be blessed with a little more rain. Four feet high and rising. How high is the water, Mama? Five feet high and rising. How high is the water, Papa? She said it's five feet high and rising. Well, the rails are washed out north of town. We gotta head for higher ground. We can't come back till the water goes down. Five feet high and rising. Well, it's five feet high and rising.